everyone, and welcome to the SoCal Summer Swing Out Podcast. The music you are currently listening to is called Dances in the Night by Papa D, a fellow swing dancer, musician, artist, and friend. You can find all links for streaming, socials, and videos down below. Make sure to go and support him. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the SoCal Summer Swing Out Podcast. My name is Andre, your host, and I am welcomed by a very handsome man today a very wonderful human everybody please say hello to mishu mishu welcome hey uh thanks for having me on this podcast sorry <laughs> a little nervous <laughs> oh you're good bro you're good it's just us it's just us no one else is here but me and you i want to thank you for doing this because we've been trying to put this together for a minute right yeah yeah for a while but we've both been quite busy so i yeah, mean finally got a breather. I know it's happening now, and I'm sure all the Florida people, all the Irvine people, they're all really excited to see what you have to offer. But that being said, <laughs> there are some people who don't know who you are. So for starters, why don't we go ahead and have you give us an intro of who Mishu is and essentially a snippet of your dance journey. Um, who am I? It's a great question. <laughs> uh, so... Um... My full name is Amanatullah uh, Khan, and uh, Mishu is just a nickname that my parents gave me. In our culture, if you have a kind of like a religious name or a religious name that's a title, then Mm -hmm. uh, you're given a nickname. So Amanatullah is like, it's Arabic for gift of God. So so then I get something like Mishu as my nickname, and they they don't have to have anything in common. So, and Mishu means mm. baby deer. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I I hate it at first, but you know, you you grow to love it. I, it's great. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was born and raised in South Florida in Boca Raton. So mm-hmm. if you've seen like, uh, Seinfeld, they talk about Boca Raton quite a bit because that's where, um, it's it's quite known for a lot of um. Uh, like Jewish family, like um, grandparents kind of retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, a lot of people meme about it, but it's a beautiful place. I like it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, I am Bengali, uh, 100%, um, which is a small country that's uh, right beside India, um, right underneath the Himalayas. Um and uh, let's see, my dance journey started in college, um, where I did my undergrad is in uh, Gainesville, Florida, mm-hmm. um, small college town. Um, and uh, the college scene is one of those where, you know, has constant rotation. So mm-hmm. everybody's relatively like learning and still new to it and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And then um uh, let's see, I started in, that was 2013 summer, mm. and that was, uh, I remember going, because there was, um, this girl I was actually really interested in, um, <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, like, she was, uh, she was a mutual friend of one of my really good friends, um, so we'd go together, and I just wanted to keep seeing her, so I kept going, but eventually, she um uh she stopped going to uh the club mm-hmm. and I started just getting hooked on kind of like dancing and what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um and then at some point um 
I got kind of like tapped into leadership um, by a good friend of mine uh, now. Her name is Alex uh, DeVoe. Uh, she is a uh, pretty uh, well-known uh, dancer out in the East. I think she's in Philly. So, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and through that leadership, through that group of leadership, I made like a lot of my lifelong friends. So anyways, so there, so that was like, you know, two, three, three-ish years. And then when I finally finished my undergrad and got into grad school um, in Irvine, I uh, moved over and uh, in Irvine, California, I moved over and didn't actually think too much about the local dancing. I was just mm. like, oh, I wonder if there's anything nearby. <laughs> and then <laughs> and I was like, oh, Atomic Ballroom? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> and it was only like leading up, that was like 2016. I was le leading up to that point. I didn't actually know too much about it until uh, I think uh, I looked, I, I found out about specifically that ballroom through uh, just like following some well-known dancers uh, uh at lindy focus um and i was and i find out that they're their local teachers in irvine that blew mm. my freaking mind because you know like i didn't <laughs> atomic bar was like down the street for effectively it's down the street from uh uc irvine so i was super super hyped so really happy about that yeah <laughs> dude and then and then that's when you start you joined uci swing dance club right yeah 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 so i i showed up like the first day the first meeting that they had um mm -hmm. and then grad school hit me like a truck so i just mm. disappeared <laughs> so i showed up that one day um and uh that was also the day that i met my fiance <laughs> Ooh. Um, and uh who, who for those of you who don't know it's uh, amy lynn cabrera which mm -hmm. uh, is, is the goddess that dances alongside Andre. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. Um, and then let's see. Yeah. So I, I like joined the club and then like danced like once and then got really busy. And then later, later that academic year, I found like, I figured out my work, like, you know, work play balance and, um, and then ended up uh, joining the club more consistently and being part of leadership as well actually mm -hmm. alongside uh amy um and, and a couple others so that was pretty cool um and uh then finally i finished so you know that was there i was there for six years and then um uh finished grad school and had a lot of growth in grant in dancing and then finally got a job over here in phoenix arizona and mm -hmm. then moved over and so now I'm here. Yeah. So and now uh, <laughs> you are you are temporarily in Phoenix, Arizona before you come home, is what you're saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seems like the, the yeah. yeah. But you're you're home. You're home and Phoenix is great and I love the Phoenix people. We also yeah. miss you at home, you know? Yeah, I miss you guys a ton as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so that's the start. You learned how to dance in you see uh, at uc at a uh, in florida and then yeah the university of florida yeah, yeah. i forgot to university mention that of florida. Yeah. and yeah. then you came to uci for grad school now i don't think a lot of people know this but um you you are a doctor aren't you <laughs> yeah i forgot to mention that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> doctor of what 
Uh, so I um, studied physics and specifically I studied uh, quantum magnetism uh, or nanomagnetism. Um, but it's, I mean, the words are fancy, but it's, it's the, 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 the physics of really, really, really small magnets, you know, um, and uh, there's a lot of really rich and interesting things that happen on that scale. Um, and I, I thought it was super fascinating. So, Dude, um, but yeah, so. <laughs> if, if you guys are listening to this, like Mishu talking about physics is, I can tell why Amy likes you, bro. Like you're so <laughs> cute when you're talking about that shit. <laughs> yeah, this shit gets me going, bro. <laughs> if you ever, if you're ever at a dance event and you find, if you, if Josiah and myself are in the same event, mm -hmm. if you bring us together, we're just going to start popping off on physics just just we're just gonna be going all in so Hell if you ever want to yeah. if you want to hear that yeah so he he's in a similar he, he's in a very very close i mean he's in the same specialization as myself he's right now at uc riverside working on his phd um, mm -hmm. and uh, his advisor is actually a very close collaborator to my former advisor so Dude, yeah. that's dope. You know what's cool about the swing dancing is I feel like there's so many people who are so intellectual and so smart, you know, because we yeah. have engineers, we have physicists, we have data scientists, we have teachers. And it's so cool that we can connect on not just dance, but like on all those other things too, right? Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's it's a very, it's like a really cool um, like level of uh, intersection that I really like about the community because you just see because I, I otherwise like i i wouldn't even know how to meet other people from other <laughs> from other disciplines or even like yeah it's, it's... i mean you're I, I feel you there because i've heard from a lot of people i've heard from a lot of people that dancing was a way for because the, they're people who come to dance they tend to like sometimes they've never danced before but I've seen a commonality that people who aren't as socially adept, they find dancing really helpful because they have to interact with someone and it's a way for them to build up their social skills. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, per yeah, personally, I went through that. Like, I, I think I wasn't very, I mean, like I, I knew how to be like, am like amiable, but I, I didn't really know how to i mean maybe it's still don't but <laughs> but like i feel like i've improved quite a bit once you you just through that mere exposure and you end up getting all of the little nuggets of wisdom and kind of like oh like you know like this is kind of awkward this is cool this is chill like these vibes are something that i like to embody these vibes i don't like to embody stuff like that it's it's yeah it really it really does help in in learning how to interact with other humans yeah 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 100 now, speaking of other humans, um, we did, I did put out a poll and I did have some people ask some questions. So I put, I put this uh, poll up on Instagram and I essentially <laughs> asked people to send in, send in their questions, you know? And so I am going to go ahead and pick a couple and see if you can answer them. I'll try and make it chronological. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. Some of these I might have to bleep out. So I'm going to get the obvious one out of the way. <laughs> so <laughs> we have a, cer a, certain, a certain man who likes frogs um, mm. asking, do you Frog eat chicken? <laughs> That's a legit question. 
I'm bleeping that out 100%. I totally, totally I totally knew I knew those. Are you going to bleep? Are you going to put chicken instead? <laughs> we can bleep it I'm out gonna, or put chicken. I'm just going to, yeah, sure. I'll put chicken. <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, but so that was a question. Do you mm-hmm. eat chicken, Mishu? Oh, I love chicken. Chicken's dope. Hell yeah. Yeah, Hell. it's got to be prepped the, the right way, you know? It can't it can't be, you know, there, there's a whole process to it. Oh, hell yeah. I've made chicken for you before, haven't I? I think so, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I did. I've, been to your, I've been to your parties and that shit was super lit. I know, Stuff okay, yeah. That, yeah. That was yeah. good. Someday I'll talk about um some of our, our parties that we've had. So here yeah. we have another question from someone from Denver. His name's Clay. Clay asks, how do you like your eggs? you know what's funny is uh my dj and humor lean towards this one you know that song the song is like say it how you like your eggs fried and fertilized fried and fertilized i'm pretty sure that's where he was trying to get us to go yeah so uh that'll be my that's my answer fried and fertilized how to the yeah okay and then we have a longtime listener. Um, her name is Sandy. You know Sandy. I love she, Sandy. She's amazing. She comments and listens to every she's episode. Wonderful. Sandy, big shout out to you. What oh, is yeah. she asks? What is your favorite city? Do you like Orange County, California, or Phoenix more? Ooh, Phoenix is gonna listen to this, bro. <laughs> Honestly, I I think I would have to give it to. I think I would have to give it to Irvine, yeah. Just because I just think that the local culture really, really vibes with the things that I'm interested in. Uh Um, So, like, I do like that Irvine in particular has a very strong Asian community. Or mm. like very uh like th- it's a very strong influence of the Asian community and so you could so, so one there's just a ton of great uh, international foods everywhere, um mm-hmm. and restaurants and whatnot and then um and then also because of like the culture of UC Irvine like I feel like there's a lot of like other things like esports which is a big thing that I really like um uh. And it's like tons of things going on in LA and proximity to LA is just always really nice because there's mm-hmm. just so much to do, but you don't have to deal with living inside of LA. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so um, there's that. And then also just, I, I guess the community that I've built, you know, for myself or like just the friends that I've made there are, you know, they really mean a lot to me. And so like being there for six years, you you develop a lot. And it wasn't just in, physics or sorry just in dancing actually dancing was a huge part of it but it was Mm -hmm. also in the physics community slash like kind of the academic community that i was part of and uh yeah so yeah not to mention the girl you like lives in that area yeah you know yeah yeah. the big reason phoenix can't fault you for that either (laughs) yeah yeah um (laughs) speaking of phoenix and because it's october Patrick Co asks, "Have you ever seen a ghost?" A ghost. Mm. So I've I can't recall a specific instance, but I can recall 
so I can't recall like the actual memory, yeah. but I can recall feelings of seeing one. I don't know if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Long, long time ago. Like I, 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 I have, it's weird. Cause like you can have memories of, of like, just like the feeling itself. So mm-hmm. I'd like to think that like that I have, but I can't remember when, and I think it was a long, it, it was definitely when I was in Florida. Florida is kind of a, kind of a spooky yeah. place honestly <laughs> yeah yeah um and uh yeah so um and also just like you know being raised um uh, in an islamic environment um just you know there's those always things about just like afterlife and spirits and stuff like that it's so that's probably a no. large influence of that but yeah no 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 that that makes sense i'll tell you right now like I don't fuck with ghosts. I don't fuck with any any of that because yeah, all of that to me is like ah, I don't I don't I don't mess with that stuff, you know. So kudos to you for being okay with that ghost just sitting on your shoulder. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I guess it just depends on uh, kind of like what idea of ghosts you subscribe to, because mm-hmm. like like just like thinking about it logically, it's like you know we have what over 7 billion people in population and statistically you know the ghosts that would stick around are probably chilling if that makes sense right like yeah no (laughs) you're like yeah so i'm not you know i wouldn't be yeah it makes sense i wouldn't like fuck with ghosts but you know i feel like they're not out to like they're not as they, they can't you know if we we sh- if we shit on ghosts with all this like negative you know like perspective and ghost stories and spooky things and ghost killers it's like you know they can't they can't do anything in response it's like because they're dead <laughs> exactly 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 so, there's yeah. that logical brain okay yeah, i mean they could all just be good you know <laughs> chilling i feel you yeah they could be like chilling they don't have to be poor or terrible aggressive nonsense. yeah yeah <laughs> uh i have a couple a couple more questions so uh we have two questions that ask about your work so one of them is tell us about your research and then the other one is what is the greatest victory as a doctor i'm going to challenge you dr khan to summarize that in uh three or four sentences so tell us about your research and greatest victory as a doctor and that's coming from jet and bianca by the way Okay. Yeah, that's a tough one, especially with those constraints. So my research uh, for my PhD, it was, um, it was studying this uh, specific property of what, um, of a, of dynamics of uh, nanomagnets. Um, So what, that specific property was called non-reciprocity. So you have if you have a physical system that looks symmetric, like geometrically it is symmetric, the material itself could actually have something that's intrinsically asymmetric. So if I take a magnetic material, I can apply wiggles on one side, those wiggles will propagate like waves, like you know waves in water. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if the system itself looks geometrically symmetric, and you apply wiggles going in one direction, and then you apply the same exact wiggles to go in the opposite direction, you can actually get completely different behavior. 
And this is um, this is actually something that's like kind of understood, but like not well understood. And so I was studying this non-reciprocal behavior in spin wave propagation, which is the waves of magnetic media. So you can have, you know, even though, so if for those of you who don't uh, know too much about magnets, they are just composed of a ton bunch of tiny atomic magnets and they all kind mm -hmm. of point together, kind of like a compass in a Earth's magnetic field. They all kind of point together. But, you know, if you actually introduce some kind of dynamics, like you wiggle them, then you can actually get some really interesting physics that come out from them interacting from each other. Um, so, so I studied non-reciprocity um, and, uh, um, and big applications of that are like a lot of like 5G communications or wireless mm -hmm. communications, anything that involves uh, like radio frequency or um, yeah, anything like wireless effectively. Um, and then uh, the biggest, I mean, honestly, I would say that the biggest triumph, uh, there was two moments. One is making my first device. Uh, that mm -hmm. was actually, so I had to learn how to make nano devices by mm -hmm. hand. And it is a, it is a, I wouldn't say it's a very long and arduous process. Mm -hmm. And I have mad respect for surgeons because holy shit, when you have to deal with those things that are so sensitive and so small with tools that require a lot of like tactile precision, mm -hmm. it, it, it could be tilting quite quickly. <laughs> um, um, so that was the first, so first is making my first device and then like setting it up and getting it to actually work, which is, mm -hmm. that was huge. And then definitely the second, second, and I don't know which one's more is actually like getting that that handshake from my PI, my, my principal investigator, my advisor, when I did my defense and he's like, congratulations, doctor. Like, you know, that, that was, that was huge. Like that. Hell yeah. Yeah. That, that felt really good. Um, uh, and then there's others too. Like, I guess when like the first publication I was part of actually got published, I thought that was kind of cool. So that, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if those three or four sentences, but. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That was three or four <laughs> sentences. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. They were very uh, long sentences. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 good sentences though. I dig them. <laughs> okay, so we talked about you as a person. We talked about your work, and I definitely want to touch more on the dance piece because you and I vibe a lot in the sense of community. So a couple of people asked some questions here that I would want to bring up to you. So the first dance question is just like a number question. Uh, Bianca, the wonderful Bianca, would like to know how much shag do you do? I've been doing a bit more recently, and I'm yeah? so hype about it. Yeah. Um, so having you know a shag queen in the same city, Julie Roman, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. just like she's a wonderful, wonderful like resource, and she's an absolutely amazing human. Um, and I, one, one thing actually is like, I, when I was in California, I was surrounded by so many like amazing bow dancers. And like, mm -hmm. I got, I, I was like learning bow and picking it up and absorbing it. But I feel like I didn't really take as much advantage of like having that such easy access to all those amazing bow dancers. 
um, when I was there. And it wasn't until after I moved, I was like, oh man, I really kind of fumbled that opportunity. So now I, 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 now that I have access to awesome shag dancers here, and I mean, also awesome bow dancers here too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, you know, now I'm like putting more effort into learning it now that I don't have to deal with like grad school studies and I can just work and then dance. It's, it's all, yeah. it's really chill. So yeah. So I've been doing a bit more, uh, Bianca and I'm super hype. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. <laughs> it's I'm fighting so much just to like, mm-hmm. you know, not do like kick steps all over the place and just fighting mm-hmm. a lot of that second nature of like doing, you know, Charleston or, you know, Lindy hop style, uh, footwork, like that throws me off the, the, uh, the shag shag groove, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah been doing more recently and, uh, it's really, really fun. I just took a small, like mini workshop with, uh, uh, with, uh, Patricia. uh, no, with, uh, Zach, oh. uh, Lo- Zach, uh, is it Lockett? I don't, I don't call his last name. I, think I, it, but I know i know who you're talking about you're, you're talking about the shag the shag yeah yeah the shag right yeah yeah zach lockett strife i think is how you pronounce it uh and uh julie um so that was really fun it was really fun it was really hard i got definitely like thrown into the deep end mm. and she was like you should do it and i'm like bro i can't i barely could do the basic and that's all my like brain that's all my dance capacity and she's like just you know just come out and try and see how you do and I had a lot of a lot of fun. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I have to say that I, I do envy the fact that you're you are surrounded by people like Julie, Jackie, you know, and like Matthew, mm-hmm. Cassie. Mm-hmm. Just amazing amazing and Sean and everyone. Like you're you're surrounded by amazing people. And I that is one of the things I appreciate about the the Phoenix scene is how like they, you guys just have wonderful people there, which actually brings me to the next question. Another wonderful person who lives in Phoenix, Morningstar, right? Yeah. Um, they asked a question of, they, they said, have him talk about his philosophy on building community and fast feet in Phoenix. Cause that's tomorrow, right? Or is that tonight? Yeah. Yeah. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Um, yeah. So philosophy community. So it's, um, I think to sum it all into one word, I think is cozy. Mm, mm. I think cozy is like the key word that I've been really kind of just coming back to when I've been thinking about like, what do I want this thing to be? What do I, how do I want people to feel? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, cozy. I want it to be cozy. So it's, it's this, you know, there isn't any kind of, I want it so that like people come and hang out. They don't worry about everything outside. And mm. the thing is though, even in dance, sometimes in dance, you can feel a lot of stress and anxiety and, you know, self doubt and a lot of those kind of really difficult feelings. Um, and I, I wanted a dance space where even those things in dance are not actually presence you know like mm-hmm. that like you really are there to share your love of dancing and hang out and meet other people who also share that same love and you know just nerd out about dancing together so mm-hmm. um that's yeah and i think that when the space is cozy you feel 
you feel like you could do that. That opens mm. that it opens that space for you to nerd out about dancing, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that adjective cozy, I that 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 like that's really cool. It warms my heart that someone has that desire to make people feel that welcome. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. I I picked up that word actually from uh Kim Kimby, Kimberly Mears. Oh nice. Um, yeah, she I remember a long, long time ago when I like first met her. She was like, oh, I really like your dancing. It feels really cozy. And I didn't actually know what that meant at that time. Mm-hmm. But I like love that description. And that's like mm-hmm. something that I like am striving for in my own dancing now is to to make it cozy. Because I think when, yeah, when it feels cozy, I think it really opens up a lot of, like, people get to like relax and they, they're not worried. There's no stress or strain or any of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like when you say, put it, leave everything else, out outside and just come in to nerd about dancing. I feel like that's such a needed thing um, because so my podcast recently got released and that's what I talked about, like uh, being homeless, right? And how mm-hmm. you knew the entire situation. Um, but like I needed to dance. I paid like the, t- the $15 when only ha- I only had 20 because I needed to just escape yeah. my situation for three hours and just feel like a sense of dopamine that could get me through the next couple of days or the week, you know? So I feel like yeah. you creating that cozy environment is going to be so helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've already gotten, I mean, I've only done it. So the, tomorrow is going to be the second time ever. And the first oh, nice. time I think it was really, it was really well received and I'm really happy about it. And I think people, people are like, yeah, it's like kind of what, they wanted for a little bit of time i think covid uh like kind of uh killed a lot of what was going on around the scene for a bit so mm-hmm. this this is a nice kind of um nice kind of space now that's opening up for people um and uh i think uh, another aspect of that is that i'm personally i'm quite growth oriented mm. like it's just something that i really enjoy like i played a lot of rpg games and just video games in general that have some kind of leveling system. And I just really enjoyed the process of just leveling up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was the other kind of like philosophy in that the other aspect is I also wanted a space where people feel comfortable working on things and not feeling like they have to perform. That's, that's another thing. So that coziness kind of taps into that feeling as well. It's just like, yeah, let's fuck around. Let's try some interesting ideas. Let's do something fun. Let's, let's get a little silly. Um, And yeah. 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 Well, that that's, that's funny that you bring that up because the last question that Bianca wrote, which by the way, Bianca, thank you for writing three questions and any listeners. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) fucking dope. Any listeners, if you want to, I'm probably going to do this again in the future. So you can put as many questions as you want, right? Because it makes it nice and easy. But the question that Bianca asked, which I think is perfect, after what you just said is, what is your number one dance value? Your number one dance value. My number one dance value... Honestly, I think it would be the same word. I think it's like cozy. I think mm. right now, I think, well, it, it rotates. I think right now I'm in this cozy headspace. Mm-hmm. I don't, so like when I, so the thing is that that's, 
it's weird because I, I think if you unpack cozy, it leads into a lot of other values. So like for me, at least like mm-hmm. um, I've been trying to be one thing I've been working on quite a bit for the past year is being more uh, present. And, mm-hmm. and that's really hard. Um, being more present in dancing so that you can actually dance with your partner and exchange ideas and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and in doing so i think that you you develop this feeling of like your connection feels cozy that's kind of what i what i feel when it, and, and this is like kind of the tech so i i i'm making the assumption your question is more about like technical dance mm-hmm. but if it's more general then i think the answer is going to be slightly different um but yeah like when i when when a dancer connects with me, I, I have a, my desire is that they, they have this immediate understanding of like, like it's, it's, it's chill. It's fun. It's, mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. do, you can do whatever. There's no, like, I don't like, I've, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've been on the other end where like someone's like trying to like practice through me you know like Mm. not dance with me or Mm. like they like did they are like you know judging or they're Mm. they're like above like above me like Mm. and i mean that's different from like like i've definitely been put like at some point i did put myself down a lot but then now i'm like you know being better about that and now i understand like the difference between like when i'm making myself feel inferior versus when someone actually is feeling superior you know <laughs> yeah um, but it, but the yeah it's 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 being cozy you know it's just it's just chill out right it's just dancing. yeah I, I always think about what amy amy said in your first podcast which is like it's all made up, made up. <laughs> you know, yeah it's like it's all it organically happened because people wanted to have fun and mm-hmm. you know mix and dance and socialize and um yeah so I, I hope that I hope that answers the question. I think like I um, I think it does. Cozy, yeah, cozy, yeah. I think it, it especially does because what you just mentioned, I can guarantee you that listeners have felt when they've danced with someone and it felt like oh they're just practicing something with me or they are like rolling their eyes or this is the one that gets me is I I'm dancing with someone and they'll like they'll they'll be watching for their next partner or their eyes mm, on the pro yeah. like oh okay. yeah and then That's when they do that feeling. yeah <laughs> it, it, it's not fun but when they do that I'm like oh, I might as well dance towards that person because I know that that's that's what we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, you know, and and you know, not to fault them because maybe they're pros and they're working on that and they're giving little old me a chance, which is great because I'll eat that shit up. My goal when they do that is to dance in such a way where they have to be present with me. I'll do yeah, like a little yeah. hip thing. Where I'll be like, oh, oh, hello, okay. You know? <laughs> That's right. You that, pull them back in. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Cozy. We're gonna be cozy right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and uh, i i we have and you brought up the word presence again and i i really do think that if it's if it's not if if for me if if it's not coziness which i know is really high up there i think 
presence is probably something that I I think is next or maybe even takes higher precedence because when you're presence, you could be cozy, but when you're cozy, maybe you can't be present, you know, like maybe, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Whichever one is yeah. of like the like higher level in the umbrella, but um, Dude. yeah. Dance presence is really hard, especially when like, I think I have some like, um, like some um, spectrum of like ADHD or something. I think so, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot more about it and perhaps I, I am somewhere in there, probably not to some like serious degree um, where like it requires like medication, but like, it's still something that I find myself fighting quite a mm-hmm. bit. So it's like, that definitely comes into play in dancing a lot. Like just like making sure I don't auto autopilot and stuff. And uh, that's usually when you're losing presence. Um, yeah you just made me have this crazy realization i think the reason why amy and i hear each other and why we dance the way we do is because we have the same values as you we prioritize being comfortable with each other and we also prioritize being present in the dance and i feel like what that does is just just opens up our dance third eye mind type yeah. shit <laughs> yeah know? there's like it just adds it unlocks this layer of connection that just transcends like the <laughs> the physical like yeah yeah the physical yeah. realm i don't know how to describe it <laughs> no you're you're absolutely right because if there are some dancers listening to this who maybe you're towards the beginning of your dance journey i feel like a prerequisite for being present is you get out of your head of needing to do something right. You get out of your head of needing to be like, I need to do this thing, I need this thing, because then you're being transactional. It will take yeah. time for someone to get to a point where they're like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to do the things that I know, and I'm going to make sure to be present for the music with my partner, you know? Like, do you feel, what else would you add to that mixture in order to be fully present? Uh, I think that, so there's, um, so there's like this idea that you can like being present, but then you can also be like, you can use being attentive to pull yourself into presence, just like you were saying Mm. with like, you know, like that one specific case of like, this dancer is not paying attention to me. I'll do Mm. something that pulls their attention you know if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. um and i feel like that's uh like you're saying from a lead perspective but i think that could work in like you know in, in any role which is that um you can you can but like that that that's like garnering attention but you as a dancer can still apply more attention so that you are more present i don't know how else, like if if that makes sense it's it's like you're taking it a step further so that it can pull you into being present because in order to be attentive you attentive you have to be present in order to listen you need to be present mm-hmm. um so um i guess listening i guess might be kind of like the keyword there to like layer on top of that yeah um, it's so like and uh, I was saying, like, I've been working on this for like the past year, and most of it has been coming from actually finding, like, actually working with a dance, like a competition dance partner. So I've been working with Carol Ryberg, um, mm-hmm. who's a fantastic uh, dancer on the the Phoenix Bomb Squad. So if you look at, you know, 
previous years and th including this year's uh, performance, you'll see her just swinging the fuck out and going super hard every time. She's fantastic, mm -hmm. um, which you should check out because this every year is fantastic. This one's this year's crazy. <laughs> it is <Yeah>. crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm specifically talking about the performance at Camp Hollywood. Um, so for the bomb squad. So. Um, but yeah, so working with her and having these, you know, you do a couple social dances, you talk about it, and then we, you know, we think about these different ideas and then kind of like, where are these moments where we may have disconnected and thinking about like, okay, what can we do so that we stay more connected and whatnot? And I've been learning a lot about just that for, for myself, um, being attentive is something that requires uh, just a little bit more effort. It's something that I need to um, like be comfortable putting that exerting that energy to 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 pay attention and mm -hmm. to because otherwise then it's not conversational um mm -hmm. um so i uh, it's it's funny because you know how you're talking about like yeah you build social skills just by dancing and you learn how to interact with other humans <laughs> all of those skills are perfectly transferable to the, the connection and dancing too and the partnership yeah. it's it's all connected it's it's pretty cool yeah <laughs> oh dude yeah. It, it, and i do want to touch on that because i'll touch on on the last question that we have but before that i do want to talk about that video and that performance because we were technically rivals you know <laughs> yeah Phoenix had their thing and then Airmail special had our thing <laughs> i just want to point out I'll, I'll leave the video link down in the description if you guys want to watch it but i just want to point out that when you first came out I think all of us were so in awe at your transformation. Like you, <laughs> when you came out, I was like, is that my friend? He looks so like evil, but almost, you know, <laughs> I, I, think was, I think it was Jet. Jet was like, dude, seeing Mishu pretend to be evil is the funniest thing ever. Honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I'll leave that down in the description because it is an amazing, an amazing video. Now, Back to the topic you were talking about, transferable skills, though, how social skills are transferable, being present is transferable. We also have another very dedicated longtime listener, um, Emily Brenneman. So she listens to Yay. every podcast. She comments at the end. She is she ran UCI Swing Club, um, which I'll put UCI Swing Dance Club down below in case there are any college students yeah. who want to see it as well. But um, she commented a really great question that I think is a good rounder to Stuck in as towards the end. Um, but this is one that you and I have talked about pretty in depth. This is one that Amy and I talk about a ton, and we always reference you. And I've referenced you several times throughout the podcast in reference to this. But the question that Amy has, well, not Amy, but that Emily has is any advice for a better emotional connection and awareness? Because, yeah, I know, I know, I know that's deep. Because Amy and I talk about like, emotional intelligence and connection the amount of times that she and i say do you have bandwidth for a potential do you have bandwidth which means like do you have bandwidth for a potentially like difficult conversation yeah, or that. deep conversation i love that yeah 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 dude every time we drive to to san diego or irvine it's always not enough time because we will get into these conversations yeah yeah so yeah. um uh, so I'm going to answer that question in a more general sense, because I think okay. it's just like, because it's, it's, I think it do, does apply everywhere. And I think, I think the key word here is metacognition. Oh, 
So metacognition, from what I understand, and this is something that I've employed, at least in the way that I understand it has worked quite well, is um, it's almost like, it's like taking a step back from your own brain. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. So it's Mm. like you... This is why it's metacognition. It's like you're you're taking a step back and you're observing exactly what's going on with your body and what with your thoughts and your mm. mind and your and your overall state of your state of body and mind. It's you take a step back and you observe and you understand. And it's almost like being empathetic with yourself, which is it seems kind of like new agey or it sounds like some new age bullshit, like you know, some mm-hmm. mysticism, but I it's it's definitely a practice so it's something or it, it definitely garners practice like it's not something you'll just you could just do um mm-hmm. but it's this this way of being able to by 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 practicing this ability to like let, let me let me think of an example so like suppose something happens and you find yourself quite irritated right mm-hmm. and if this is something that you personally don't um don't desire as far as like being irritated by something like this you can take a step back and then try to understand exactly where is it coming from and how is how are you processing it and then through kind of understanding how your brain ticks in regards to the stimulus effectively Mm. right because that's what humans are stimulus and response it's literally Mm -hmm. from from the day we're born this is where we're going through so um you play this role of being magna metacognitive about how you work and then this gives you the insight it helps in kind of building insight and wisdom as far as like the future as far as like how you respond to a similar stimulus Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and i think this this may seem a little bit like uh, removed from the original question, but I think it's quite applicable in that you build a much deeper understanding of yourself, mm. which then I think builds it builds a nice foundation for you to understand others. Because mm. mm. um, we're all because we're all humans, right? Like so, it's and um, and it's really hard to understand others because you can't read other people's minds mm-hmm. and. Oftentimes, though, like we we instead of trying to be empathetic, we might project if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, and that's, mm-hmm. that's not that's like different from what I'm trying to say. It's like um, you you it's like practicing empathy on your on yourself through this idea of like stepping back from your own brain and then thinking about it. it's almost like I don't know. It's like astro- you could think about it in terms of like astral projection. You kind of just like remove like your own thoughts from like what you're observing about your body and your mind and then kind of thinking about okay um like what's going on and whatnot um and so um i think that's kind of the way to like build that deeper connection Mm -hmm. um and like that deeper kind of emotional intelligence i think uh i try to um I try to like, it's weird because like, also I'm a, I don't really, really, I, I find myself always 
leading towards a super logical position mm-hmm. and just like having this like formal training and like physics and and math um you you know you you kind of develop this at least personally i found myself developing my brain in kind of a computer computer fashion if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know it's like oh you know the way that i the way i reacted to the stimulus i didn't really like it i'll kind of like pull back and like debug my own brain if that makes sense mm-hmm. like, like and then make those changes to my own algorithms and then find myself in a happier position than originally so like um similar like simple things like you know if if so like it it's like um you can you can think about how like there's like this perspective of like feeling you feel what you feel and you process it and you let it go through right mm-hmm. and um i found that for myself those techniques are quite valuable um but they still require a lot of energy and then it's been really hard for me to kind of convey this specific point but mm-hmm. what if like what if you never had to deal with those in the first place if that makes mm-hmm. sense but this is really difficult because this is like it's different from like oh just don't get angry because that that doesn't really that doesn't help anybody right but right it it falls it it's an over it's a it's a it's a gross oversimplification of actually what I found to work for myself is that there's by like pra- like by like practicing almost like hyper empathy I can like understand just like what like the situation what's going on in myself and then it doesn't garner any kind of intense emotional response if that makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know something that like would cloud my judgment for example which is something that I never really want to happen mm-hmm. so like um I think I'm rambling a little bit, but I, I, does that make sense? I you, do you no. get what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I get I get what you're talking about. Let me see if I can restate it to you to make sure that I understand. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. To answer Emily's question in regards to advice on for a better emotional connection and awareness, you said say that word one more time. Um, metacognition. metacognition. Yeah. So metacognition is kind of like taking a step back from your own brain and essentially being aware of yourself to recognize any sort of behavior, emotion that you have, revisiting it and consciously making an effort to try and approach similar situations differently in the future. But in order to do that, you need to be you need to be better aware of who you are. That's an oversimplification, but am I hitting Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's pretty close. Yeah, like being empathetic with yourself. That's it, yeah. Like yeah, like it seems kind of weird and i mean it's it it is some, to some degree circular <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it's it is i think that and this is just how i found it work for myself is is that if i'm if i'm being empathetic to myself and understanding what's going on and then it lets me better understand similar things in the future like um this this is a small tangent i'm going to go on but like mm-hmm. a lot of times i found that um actually early on when i was learning how to be a human like be social <laughs> i i found being being dense was quite helpful uh-huh. like intentionally being dense so when i what i mean when i say that is 
you you don't go like you don't you don't make assumptions. You don't try to think too deeply about every single interaction that comes your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, like it's um, it's incredibly helpful, honestly, because one, your bandwidth, your emotional bandwidth for like just going through a average day of interactions gets completely mm-hmm. like you, you, it just gets freed up because mm-hmm. you're not like second, you're not like thinking deeply about every single thing that happens. Uh, but over time you get to start to, you can still have like it, you can still have those kind of, you can pick up on certain things, but you're just not acting on them. That's what I mean mm-hmm. when I say being dense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like one common thing that I've seen, especially in like, you know, traditional dating culture um, is like, um not even it's not even dating culture actually it's just regular interactions and mm-hmm. it's actually something that's like somewhat problematic i guess is like when um yeah this is more general it's actually not dating culture but it's like when when like uh when a woman's like nice to a guy and then a guy's mm-hmm. like typically they're like are they flirting with me or are mm-hmm. they being nice right mm-hmm. you're just like and it's like uh and it's kind of annoying because I think most people, most like, like straight men are going to be like, oh yeah, they're flirting with me if they're nice. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, mm-hmm. they're just being a bitch. And it's just like, what? <laughs> it's, and like, unfortunately this, this is a feedback mechanism where it's like, okay, like, like, you know, women are taught to like, like, or they're conditioned to, to like, have to like, really really put a lot of effort in like being nice but not flirty mm-hmm. and it's like putting all of the it's like it's like offsetting all of the the energy and effort onto women in society it's kind of like it's really it's really annoying so it's like mm-hmm. um um but like being dense for example helps to like prevent things like that for example because like then you don't think too deeply about it or if like someone says something like snide or backhanded, mm-hmm. you know, you could, you can either be like, oh, are they like talking smack or, you know, or maybe they're just bad at words, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but like, you don't know, right? Like you really don't know. And I think this is the one thing that like most people like have trouble, not most people, but like, I think some have trouble kind of like stopping the thought process at that point. You don't know. And therefore you can't go any further. And mm-hmm. so why worry about it? Like mm-hmm. you can't like if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you don't know the motivations for why people do this, uh, or like, and you you're not owed that knowledge either. For example, a lot of the times, like simple things like being refused to dance with. For example, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. every dancer has a right to say no to a dance, um, and the person who's refused, does, it's not really they're not really owed the reason why. Um, and you can spend all day thinking about why that person didn't want to dance with you. And for mm-hmm. all you know, you know, they just, you know, their stomach hurt and they just didn't want to dance, right? It could be something super benign. Right. Or it could be that they hate your fucking guts. But it the the point is, is that it doesn't matter because you don't know. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's and I think this is like applicable to like everything. So it's a small okay, maybe now it's a big tangent, but <laughs> this is something I've always wanted to like talk a little bit about. Yeah. And um I don't think I've been able to talk about it with you in particular, mm-hmm. um, 
but we haven't been able to have that much time hanging out since we're in both like two different fucking cities so <laughs> yeah soon soon hashtag dance house. yeah yeah that's right well you're first gonna go to japan so japan's gonna be pretty freaking lit bro i'm gonna eat so much food for you i'll send Yo. you i'll send you all the pictures and stuff uh i do want to talk about one thing that you brought up and like I, I keep coming back to this concept everything you're talking about of you recognize that being dense in social environments made it easier to not take things as strongly essentially is what i heard right now my thing is you had to put in work in order to find that out about yourself you had to realize about that about that about yourself you had to have self-awareness and i feel like self-awareness is such a cornerstone yes on, yes yes on 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 uh <laughs> 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 hey, listeners right now we're, we're doing the mark sorosi but i feel like it's a cornerstone of like emotional intelligence and being able to operate more emotionally aware if you know who you are and how you react to things pretty by default, well, then you can quote unquote course correct on the future. I have an example I want to use here in a second. So we were talking about like self-awareness, right? I, you and I went through, it wasn't even a conflict. It was just a conversation, right? Because yeah. you are a doctor and an engineer and you have this beautiful brain that is solution oriented, <laughs> which- Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which Amy, Amy and I do rely on when we need like solutions because we're like, oh yeah, he'll just he'll just tell us, right? Um, I think at one point I recognized that I don't do very well with um, unsolicited advice or advice that is given to me because I realize that I just need someone to listen. I'm an emotional yeah. bitch. I just need someone to like. <laughs> Hold yeah, me, just give you your ears, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just give me their ears, and I think that's why I bring up the self awareness because I recognize that, and it took a lot for me to reach out to you and be like, "Yo, when I bring up these things, I think I really just need someone to listen," and you were so receptive and so kind, and ever since then, you've always just like that time I called you in we're not going to talk about what event, but that time <laughs> I called you, yeah, 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 you, were, you just, that. you just you just listened and you gave me perspective when I asked for it and whatnot. And I feel like that's a piece of self-awareness both that I had and that you had and that we were both able to just fucking blossom and grow. Wow. Yeah, that sounded yeah. weird. Blossom and grow. <laughs> but you feel me? Would you say that that's like an example of what you're talking about is that type of awareness yes. and growth? Yes. So I think the key word, yeah, self-awareness hits the nail on the head. And then like self-awareness is like the, I would say the goal, right? Or it's like one of the aspects in which you can foster a lot, a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. And then something like metacognition helps to give you those pieces that you may not have in perspective yet so that mm. you could build that self-awareness, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So metacognition mm -hmm. is a tool uh, towards the goal of building self-awareness. Um, yeah yeah I, um yeah go ahead and go ahead. uh yeah yeah and um yeah actually um and it was great that when you when you when you mentioned that bit it was like a really nice reminder to actually before that 
you know, early on in uh, my relationship with Amy. Um, and that was my first actual relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to learn actually that like, you know, I got that feedback. I was sometimes people just want to listen or just want to talk. And mm-hmm. you, and the, I was already at some point, like even before leaving Gainesville, I was told like, yeah, you know, you, you just listen. It's great. People, people like that. Right. But um, I had, I didn't realize that it was the talking after that was something that I could grow on. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. learning to just shut up and just listen. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause most, most people just want someone to just listen to them. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot. Cause you know, like you said, I'm solution oriented. I, I'm an, I mean, I, I'm a physicist, which is all about intuition, but I am an engineer at heart because it's all about finding solutions, you know, mm-hmm. or fixing issues. And so, um, and, uh, and like, sometimes the solution is that it's like, you just, you just let it, you know, you just let people talk. Mm-hmm. People just mm-hmm. want to be heard. It's really simple. Mm-hmm. It's less, and it's easy for me because it's like, oh, it's less work, less work for me. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. have to say anything. I could just listen, give a little bit of perspective when it's like, when, when it's warranted, like when it's asked for, or mm-hmm. when the space is open for that. And uh, yeah, like being dense, for example, helps with that. Right. Because then, you don't, or like, I don't, I don't want to say being dense, like, like, uh, it's, it's not even like acting dense either. It's like, it's weird. So it's like making the choice to not act on assumed knowledge, <laughs> if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Or like interpretation, like, um, do you know the whole like askers and guessers thing? Mm-mm. There's like this dynamic or duality, I guess, of like, you can, you're uh, I mean, I don't think it's entirely true, but maybe it's more of a spectrum, but it's like, you're either an asker or you're a guesser. And so like Mm -hmm. askers are those who find no harm in being explicit and Mm -hmm. understand, like, you know, just like being explicit and like literally just asking. Right. And guessers Mm -hmm. are those who, um, who uh, operate through like this implication. Uh, Once one specific thing is like, and ask like so say you need a place to, to crash at right an asker is just going to ask mm-hmm. can i stay over at your place i need a place to stay can i stay over a guesser is going to figure out first if that person is going to say yes and if it's yes then they're going to ask mm-hmm. otherwise then um so this is like from the perspective of someone making the request now mm-hmm. you go to the other side as someone receiving the quest the request, mm-hmm. then an asker receiving the request is going to be, uh, and this is, all, I, I'm, I'm quoting this from like this thing I read, so it's not mm-hmm. how I think about it, but like an asker who receives a question, like an ask, uh, don't, they don't think deeply about why, right? Or like, you know, like if they ask, they ask, and I say no, and that's okay, right? So askers to an asker is a, is a clear communication line. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, yeah. a person and a, a guesser to so a guesser who gets a question like that or a request from a guesser, um, they would be like, oh yeah, they know I'm good. They know that I want the like they know that I'm more than happy to host them, and so that's totally fine, right? But when an asker and a guesser interact, this is where there's a bit of friction. So like an a, like a a guesser who's asked by an asker 
may go down this thought pathway of like, like how, like, I've, like I'm definitely not going to like, or like they asked because they think I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, there's this friction of like implied, like imposing. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the opposite is like, uh, a guesser will like seldom make their um their intentions or their feelings or their wants known because like they they have to first suss out if the other person is going to be receptive to that like thing right and so like i don't know if it's entirely true but like i've seen pretty good examples of this where like someone who leans towards like this guessing side they're like like they they struggle because they like are trying to they're trying to communicate but they're not they're like filtering their own communication lines because there's this whole thought process that's kind of kind of impeding that if that makes sense oh no i fully understand what you're talking about and we're not going to put names out there but um we have mutual friends that I feel like, and I'm putting myself in that group, are totally guessers in the sense where, like, I could care a lot less of what I want. I want more of what they want. And, like, these friends in particular, we we threw this little video together. It's like this person saying, hey, do you want coffee? And they're like, um, do you want coffee? And they'll be like, oh, no, I want to know if you want coffee. But they'll be like, I want coffee if you want coffee, you know? And, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that guessing exactly. yeah when i see guessing i see that as tangential to people pleasing right yeah yeah there i think there is a it was a really good point i think there is this like correlation that happens between like yeah. that perspective and like that kind of uh yeah and like with what you're saying about the askers right to me i've had to really work on trusting what people tell me, trusting what someone says. And um, I had a very dear friend uh, tell me, like I was in my head and this is a very dear friend. I was like, I was guessing, I was guessing and I was making choices for them. And then they said to me, they were like, hey, um, I think I'd like you to take what I say to heart, like trust that I say what I mean, you know? And for me, that was so hard because I was like, but like, what if that's not what you want? What if, but then I realized that I really do have to believe that it's, it's, they say what they mean. An example is if I'm interested in someone, right? And they tell me, oh, I see you as just a friend or I'm not interested. But then they like act a little flirty I real like with me after they find out that I'm that I'm interested. Well, then to me, I realize okay. Well, I'm just gonna believe what you say. Like you can do all these things, but if you tell me this one thing, I don't play the guessing game. I'm just gonna trust what you say. And unless you say something different, well, then it's going to be different. It's gonna be difficult for me to like change my behavior. That's I have to say that that idea and that concept isn't fully sussed out yet for me because I don't, I haven't fully gotten there yet, but I feel like 
that does play a part into like the askers and the guesses that you were talking about. Um, Yeah, like, um, so this goes back to, and I think this, maybe I'm just really lucky as far as what path I took as far as like developing my own social interactions. Um, but like making that choice of like, like being dense actually had this aspect of like, you just take people's words at face Mm value because then you don't think deeply about it. What they say is a truth. or is is a desire and it's exactly what they want because they you know the synapses fired in their brain you know converted into the muscles in their mouth and they said they they said something and i'm just going to take that as truth it doesn't matter what the impl- like what the implications are where it came from or whatnot and then that makes it very easy because then like suppose someone because then it gives a very very uh clear feedback loop of like If someone was trying to make an implication of something or if they're trying to, you know, beat around the bush <laughs> and then it just flies right through me and then like they're angry about it. It's like, that's your fucking problem. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like you, if you, if you like with me, you got to be explicit. That's just how Yeah. it is. Like, I, I mean, like maybe once you have a much deeper relationship, then you can start picking up on those things and then being a little bit less. um explicit but like you know right off the bat like i can't read your mind I agree. <laughs> i can't even read my own mind which is sometimes this shit, the things going on in my brain is just like <laughs> just like memes and instagram reels Bro, <laughs> so you are you are cracked when it comes to reels, my guy, or like memes. yeah The we can't we can't talk about that though. That's that's Patreon shit. That's Patreon shit. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I do wanna I, I think that you brought up a big point of like reading minds. Because to Emily's question, right? Like how do you do you need to work soon? Do you need to go to work soon? No, no, we're chilling, we're chilling. All right. I feel like when Emily asked about like how do you build emotional connection and awareness, I think a big part of emotional connection and awareness is communication. And Yes, absolutely, yes. A like A, B, like you said, having empathy for yourself and communicating with yourself with the end goal to love yourself, which is obviously a lot harder said than done. Oh But yeah, then absolutely. there's then there's the concept of communicating and relating with different humans because I do believe that especially with swing dancing there is an art and a tactfulness and a social grace to be able to commute with communicate with people on or off the dance floor like Yes. you can tell 1 billion when percent, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can tell when you connect with someone and you start dancing with them And you realize, oh, they have a lot to say, and I'm I'm just here. Whereas you can connect with someone who's cozy, and you realize, oh, I'm given space, I'm given a voice, I'm given, I'm speaking like as a follow or a lead, right? Mm -hmm, I'm yeah. giving I'm giving choices and whatnot, and that's like the communication. I feel like in the real world, in the dance world, our friends tend to be. We got very lucky. I tell you this all the time: how fucking lucky we are that we have. the friends that we do that they're so emotionally intelligent and that they put work in Yeah. themselves. So Mm hmm here's a question I have for you since we talk about communication and emotional awareness and whatnot, I'm looking for a more like concrete thing here. What are like some books, podcasts, or resources that you've used to get to where you are in your emotional intelligence and communication journey? That's a really good question because
I don't actually read too much. <laughs> like the, why? the why most. <laughs> Sorry, yeah that that was that was that was a that was a bait, <laughs> but like yeah. yeah, like I've never. Uh, I don't really read like the last book i read was something on quantum field theory like it's, i just read yeah. textbooks bro like uh, i that's just what i do that's the only thing i read and one piece now i'm reading one piece that's yeah. fun but um but as far as resources go one thing i will say i think is talk to the people who's just i think the people around you who you desire to be more like Mm. right just if there's someone who has a particular you know like way of life or approach or whatever like you you ask them about it you learn about you first you learn about them and then you think and then you can think about integrating that into your own life that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. i i've that's that's what i could you i mean Hugh, if you're trying to learn about being a human and other humans and how to interact with humans then aren't humans one of the best things <laughs> like yeah I, I don't know i yeah like i i can't make any reading material recommendations um honestly i feel like uh your podcast as far as like all the different people you've talked to i think is a great resource already bruh, bruh. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh let's see yeah oh you know what actually there is one person um but that's only because i've met them adjacent to or not met them but i've watched their stuff adjacent to like this my my other hobbies which is mostly gaming but there mm-hmm. is a there is a um a uh a uh, southwest asian therapist on youtube and twitch who um his his account's called healthy gamer gg and it's all it's all psychology and like therapy talks and lectures um but in the context of gaming and uh i'll tell you this a lot of gamers are pretty fucking immature uh they have a lot of uh they have a lot of like uh what's the word emotional intelligence work that you know is it remains that remains to be done it's a sweeping generalization but i think it's a fair one <laughs> mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. uh so this this guy takes like a lot of these things that are problematic in like the gaming culture or like the, the streaming and gaming culture for example and mm-hmm. then kind of breaks them down as far as like what where they could be where they could come from and whatnot and then like what i really like though is that he pulls from a lot of eastern um eastern slash south so eastern meaning like uh uh east asian but also south asian um like practices so like mm-hmm. uh like the um oh, i can't remember this proper name but like you know those uh like the like indian gurus for example like mm-hmm. um uh, there's a proper name i can't remember but um there's like this whole thing about you know meditation and nirvana and whatnot right but like there's a lot of value in terms of their perspective on like what the mind is and mm-hmm. it's completely different from like formalized, like, you know, like Western psychology. Um, and he mixes the two together. It's really, really cool to see that. Um, mm-hmm. 
like for example like he does a small thing about like adhd and how it's like uh like how it's a disorder in the west right but in the east it's actually this like aspect of your mind that it's that it flows it flows like a river and Mm -hmm. it like and it's really interesting because it's like this different perspective that like your mind has this element to it. And that element is that it like, or was it, I think it was wind actually. And so it's, it's not, so it's like your mind has this airiness to it. And that's just a physical, it's like a feature of who you are as opposed to a disorder, you know? Mm-hmm, and it's, mm-hmm. I thought that was just really cool. Um, And so, and he talks about a lot of really interesting different topics Um and uh so yeah healthy gamer gg was something that i really enjoyed but that's because it's in context of gaming and Mm -hmm. uh and i also like the way he talks and i like that you know he's also you know a person of color from southwest asia like you know it's just like you get to see a lot of really interesting mixture of cultures there um and um uh yeah so that that's a resource (laughs) that was a little that was a little long-winded but i really like I mean, once in a while I see this stuff and I'm like, wow, this is really great. Um, I don't know whether or not it's entirely applicable, but I, it makes a lot of sense. It checks off a lot of boxes as far as like my sanity checks, as far as like, is this bullshit or is this not like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that there's, um, so there's that, uh, yeah. So like people around you, I really like healthy gamer GG. Um, I think like, yeah, just like, maybe like that aspect of like self-love you were talking about like that was a very long and arduous journey for myself too like I was hyper self-critical in early like leading up to early college you know and like some point I was like this is not sustainable I can't just be like shitting on myself constantly and having zero confidence and like like you know it's just not gonna work right and so I like rewired my brain and stuff like that and um but self-love takes a while takes a Mm. long fucking time and honestly that's like that's like something that really really does help with like everything else because like when your mind becomes your own best friend i don't know if that makes sense but like Mm -hmm. then like then it just becomes so much easier to just grow (laughs) Mm. yeah dude carry on i didn't want to cut you in because you no that's it like that it's just that right like you you can't you can't have like it's you against i don't even i don't even like that that expression of like you against the world but like Mm. you know it's like you versus the stimulus and stimulus Mm -hmm. is everything else and how are you like why put yourself at a disadvantage by having this internal battle Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense right like mm-hmm. and it's it's weird to be like applying logic to yourself but this is where it gets a little trip like a little trippy because it's like because if you think about a conflict between two individuals and you're uh-huh. trying to resolve that that means you uh-huh. have to you have to like reason with the individuality of each person involved uh-huh. in the conflict right uh-huh. but if there's a conflict within yourself then the only person you're like the only the only entity that you're trying to reason with is yourself mm-hmm. which is the thing trying to which is the thing trying to resolve the thing that like it's 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 very self-referential and i don't know if it makes any fucking sense but like you know it's like conflict resolution internally should be relatively um not should be but like it feels easier because it's your own freaking mind 
that makes sense i don't know that uh i don't know that make that's weird because like maybe maybe there's like this degree of like because like i i don't know I... for those who really really struggle with that internal internal conflict what whatever mm -hmm. it is whether it be like insecurities or like or like things like trauma trauma is really really freaking difficult so that's something i'm not gonna make any uh like uh statements about because that's like its own complete different like thing um but like like things like um uh like better understanding yourself and using that to develop a platform of like self-love yeah just like you were saying mm -hmm. just like self-love is just is a great way to it's a great starting point i think because mm -hmm. then that really allows you to team up with like team up with your own you know how like people say my brain or my mind like my brain thinks this and it's really weird Actually, if you take that statement and break it down, because how is your brain a separate entity from your own consciousness? Mm. Mm -hmm. Right? Your mind, yeah. your brain, your mind. It's And to some degree, it's not, I feel like it's not conducive to self-love because you're, you're like otherizing a part of your own consciousness. True. Right? You're, you're like, yeah, you're like, uh, I think it's like, yeah, you're like objectifying this this part of how your mind works and then making it this thing that you can like use as a scapegoat or like you can antagonize. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't seem very conducive. But if this is how people kind of think about their own bodies, then you may as well love it instead of hate it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, so... I that that was a lot my bad <laughs> no 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 but, yeah. this is that's 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 really good though I do want to point out I'd never heard of I'd never heard of healthy gamer gg before but I went to their website and they have they have 20 minute they have like yeah. 50 minute sessions for 50 dollars that's cheaper yeah. than therapy mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I'm you, not don't, gonna lie. you don't necessarily yeah. need the I mean, all the content that he posts on YouTube and like the VODs you see on Twitch are pretty damn good mm. too. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting. Um also I think he has a Discord as well, which has a lot of great resources. Excuse me. Um, so it's yeah. Um, yeah, but uh his stuff is great. I I mean he grew he his stuff blew up in the past year and a half i think maybe two years mm -hmm. and like i remember coming across this stuff when it was like pretty early like he only had like you know less than he had like what a couple thousand subscribers or something mm. and now his stuff blew up but i think it's because like people did really i think he identified that like there's a severe lack of like there's this void of like mental health awareness and self-awareness in the gaming culture and gaming community mm. um and especially when it comes to like competitive gaming because like for those of you who are league of legends players for example i feel like understand how much of a cesspool that compet like the, the the ranked community is in that game and as mm. someone who plays a lot of valorant it's the same shit <laughs> it's the same shit 
but like it's i mean they're they're different they're different games but like it, it's similar and for those of you who've played it honestly any kind of ranked like any kind of competitive game that has ranks ranks in it mm. it's like so fucking toxic and it's because like you know people don't understand like it's like people just like don't understand that um it's kind of like road rage i guess in a sense where it's like you get behind the wheel of a car and you're like a completely different person but like why <laughs> like, why is that the case <laughs> <laughs> you get it right <laughs> you're one of those people aren't you <laughs> but it brings up the i think it's a good point like why like why does getting behind the wheel of a car somehow turn turn you into like the scum of the year it's like um and, but the, and even then that context is like a little different like yeah 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 it's it it is it is different now like to kind of bring it full circle i'm curious this is something i want to do a podcast on in the future but i'm curious about how that relates to like um how people interact and how people engage in the swing dance world specifically with competitions because that's been i brought that up with several people in the past and they all had their own take or their own way of interacting with it um but i don't think i think everyone kind of views it differently a lot of the people that i've talked to said they just compete for fun and some people have opened up about how difficult competing can be or level placements because it's, it's nerve-wracking like you are being put in a bucket or in a box based off your perceived value by someone else yeah and the, that can mess with you yeah yeah so that's a really that's a big question because i one um i don't know i mean i compete but i have only recently started trying to understand competitions if that makes sense i've competed mm-hmm. forever you know like but and when i mean forever i mean like since I started dancing but like I don't think I tried to understand what's going on in it and for the most part I would just be somebody that does like I do say it's for fun and I try to say it's for fun but even sometimes I'm like oh like why does this why am I getting nervous why mm-hmm. why do I feel why do I feel bad <laughs> you know um and um but I have one perspective that I, or one kind of insight I think that I've had recently is trying to deconstruct um, the, not deconstruct, but like just trying to understand the the mental process of like why, like what motivates competing in mm. that sense. Mm. Because like, everybody's going to have a different question but sometimes I, and this is something that i worry about and i well not that i worry about but i this is something that i would like to work against if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um is a competitive atmosphere that is results oriented so mm-hmm. that seems counterintuitive or not kind of that seems contradictory to 
what competing is about. Mm. Um, but what I mean to say is you gotta ask yourself as a competitor, are you competing because you want to win or are you competing because you love this like dance? Like, or if you love like the, the thing that you're competing in, mm-hmm. because then like when you really strip away the layers and think about it, right. Then I think it gives a lot of insight as far as how you feel going into it and going out of it, whether or not you, you, you know, make it to finals or you get a point or you get a callback or whatever, or, um, you know, or like you don't get, you know, you don't get anything at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, I think it's really important for people to ask themselves and understand because like, um, because like, for example, I my perspective on finals now is like, this is an opportunity to perform, mm-hmm. you know, it's like to give mm-hmm. a good show. And this is why, for example, personally, I don't feel ready for finals or it feels fine. Like if it's like, it feels, it's not, what's the word? Like, uh, I seldom get into finals and it feels like it makes sense because I don't mm. feel ready to perform. If that makes sense. Like, mm. you know, like I want to put on a good show with my partner and like, mm-hmm. do I have what it takes to like perform to like, to, to kind of show to actually like embody my love for this dance in a way that like everybody's going to like, or I guess like that I'd be like proud of, I don't know. Like it's, it's an, it's interesting just because like this is kind of digging into my kind of perspective. Like I use competing first and foremost, actually as a growth, like a, a tool for growth. It's a mechanism mm-hmm. for growth. It's a way for mm-hmm. me to figure out a way to work with somebody to kind of identify and work towards a goal. And it's like identify certain aspects in which I can reach this goal and then work towards that goal. And like, at the end of the day, foster in a lot of growth in my dancing. And I, because at the end, because I, I wanted at the end of the day to be cozy, right? And in order to be yeah. cozy, you have to be more comfortable. Your connection needs to, like your connection needs to be cozy. Your dancing needs to be cozy. Your rhythm, your musicality, your um, your stylings, your everything mm. uh, needs to get a, to a certain level. And for me right now, it's mostly fundamentals. I really want my fundamentals to be super, super solid because then from there, if I have a cozy fundamental set, then I can actually build a lot of cozy things on top of that, right? So like competitions are great for kind of building that. And so that's why I'm doing it. Um, But if like you want to, if you do it because you want to win, like it's okay to want to win, but like, yeah, it's perfectly valid if you want to win, but mm-hmm. it's you got to make sure that your motivation is still about it, like still has roots in your love for the dance. Otherwise, then you can compete in something else that's easier to compete in, but it's easy, like, but you can win, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't know. Um, and it, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of sometimes it just uh sucks because like. If you're so results oriented, then you're going to 
if you're so results oriented, I think it pulls away from the spirit of the dance. If that makes mm, sense. Mm, right. Mm, like, and it's like, goes back to like what Amy said. It's like, it's all made up. <laughs> mm, it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's about, it's about intersectionality and meeting other people and having a great time. And the competitions are a fun way to have a performance effectively. Yes. You know, yes. it's, a, yeah. it's a great way for people to come and enjoy an event and be like, look at these awesome dancers. Look at them swinging the fuck out, throwing <laughs> each other around, doing all this crazy, awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, the, but the, the, the medals and the trophies and the ribbons and whatever, that's kind of just like, it's just an afterthought, you know, it's, it's like, in fact, it's just like a, I don't know, it's just like a, it's an artifact of probably like society, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not really a deep part of the, uh, at least personally, I don't think it's a deep, like, it's not a deep part in the, the roots of dancing. Does that make sense? I hear you. Yeah, uh, 100%. I want to touch on, on two points that you made there. So there were two things that you brought up and you were talking about like, first of all, I do want to point out there may be some people listening right now that may think, oh, I really care about winning when I compete. Like we said, that's completely valid. And we're operating off of our perspectives because Mishu and I and Amy, I think we all kind of operate with that same value of competition is an opportunity for us to give the energy back to the people, right? Yeah. I was recently, so today is October 4th, I was recently at an event called Great Lakes Balboa Escape. And I have to say, if no one has ever heard of it before, it's in Chicago. It's fun. It's organized by Desiree. She is amazing. Yeah, I really wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really great. And there was this one, one thing that really stuck out to me. And what I did was I sent it to my current three dance partners. I sent it to Steph in, and Jungle in a little, in a little group chat. And Chisomo had said, how often do you think about why you compete? And I feel like this like falls directly into what we're talking about because she said, most people only think about why they compete if they don't do well. And she challenged, she challenged people to um, kind of suggest why you only think of why you compete when a certain event happens, right? Yes. Yeah. And then she instead suggests, why don't you think about why you compete in the days leading up to the event, not just at the event, in the months coming up. And you really like get into thinking about that process. And this is this is new to me, you know, and it's it's something that is visceral because I think that that falls directly in line with what we're saying, because if you're going to approach competition and if you want to approach it with the healthiest mindset possible, well, then doing so, I feel like thinking about why you compete and think about that often and not just when you do, when you don't do well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In that direction. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's precisely the results oriented kind of mindset that I personally want to like combat, you know? So I've, I was, I was thinking about, so it's like a small thing that I was thinking of, I was interested in doing is maybe putting together like a small, like competition, 
group, I guess, which make if mm-hmm. that makes sense, like a competition group, but it's more about providing a space that people can work on things that are more relevant to competing in dance, mm-hmm. uh, but also fostering a culture that is combative against this results-oriented mindset. Because personally, I feel that I, like, that that's me kind of imposing my my competition values specifically mm-hmm. 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 Uh, into the dancers around me, if that makes sense. Um, if I wanted to do this kind of little small project thing, but, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. And that question I think is a fantastic, who, who was it that asked you that? Cause I think I missed that. She's Chisomo. She's Chisomo. Oh, okay. Well, she didn't, awesome. she didn't tell me that directly, but it was spoken in class and I was oh, talking about it. With, uh, I, that's awesome. I, I'm, oh, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that question I think is extremely valid because, and extremely important, honestly, because that, and this goes back to like, you know, the metacognition thing kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. you want to understand yourself. And I think that, you know, compete, like if you, those bad vibes you get from competing, it's important that you dig deep and kind of find where they come from. Cause I also, the other thing is that, like it, it's it very likely could come from something else completely unrelated to dancing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it could be yeah. a perspective on life or trauma traumatic experience that you've had when you were younger like it's mm-hmm. um it's like it because uh it's yeah well it depends it, it will vary from person to person but like there's just so many things that could come from and i don't think it's intrinsically part of the dance (laughs) Mm -hmm. like did they have do you know well maybe we should ask one of our dance dance historian friends but like did they have competitions back in like the 40s 50s i wonder what it was like during that time yeah i'm i'm actually i'm so glad you brought that up because i'm working on getting a dance historian um a person of color dance historian to do a podcast with me to talk purely about the history of dance because I recognize now that there are people who listen to the podcast who don't know the history of Lindy Hop. And yeah, there are really great resources online and stuff, but I also have questions that I would like answered. And I am curious about what the competition is like back in the day. And like if they were super competition oriented and what that mindset was frankly book touches on that a little bit i'll have to reread it to like delve in it more okay yeah yeah that maybe if i yeah maybe i'll pick up a little bit of reading on that then because that'd be really interesting um yeah because like there's also another aspect that we're in such a social media like it's just such a much more connected like globally connected um landscape now the competition's are like i would i would argue that competitions are wildly different even Mm -hmm. just going from like you know the mid uh mid uh, 20th century to to now right like because of the social media and the youtube videos and the live Uh streams and uh all of that it's like it's like a kind of a different different game um yeah and so then there's a lot of other things that could like influence your competitive mindset. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Healthy, healthy competitive mindset. I don't really know too much about this. I mean, I'm relatively new to like thinking about it, you know? Yeah. Um, like, but it, it's fun though. <laughs> it was, I think it's really fun still, but maybe it's yeah. because it's, uh, maybe I'm just fortunate enough to like be surrounded by people and dance with people who are like really, really do love it. You know, they just mm -hmm. love the dance and then comp competing is a, is a method of holding themselves accountable as far as their growth. That's, that's also another thing. Like it's a nice way for me to personally, it's a nice way for me to uh, yeah. Hold myself accountable. You have a goal at the end. You want to, you want to work towards that goal and, this fosters accelerated growth because otherwise then, you know, you might be just aimlessly uh, kind of working like on a couple different things, but when you have something that kind of rigorizes what stuff you want to work on, then it's just a little bit more structured. Yeah. Gotcha. No, I feel you. And like, yeah, I think, I feel like there's so many other directions we can go with that. We're almost reaching the two hour mark, my guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you can edit it, cut out a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, this is all like really good shit. All right. But uh, before we go into wrapping things up, we talked about a lot of different things. And I'm curious, is there anything that we talked about that you want to touch back on that we haven't already or anything new that you want to bring up? Um... Honestly, I feel like we hit a lot of stuff, a lot of really interesting things. Um, I think the metacognition was something I really valued, mm. like to talk about. So I'm I'm glad that you brought up that question, and uh, uh, it was Emily, right? I mm -hmm. uh, I remember I, I remember Emily, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm thankful for that question. Thank you, Emily, for that. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything additional that I wanted to speak about, honestly. Um, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know if there's anything in particular yet. No, 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 no. that's I feel you. That's a uh, we hit a lot of things. So <laughs> we did, dude. I'm going to have a hard time coming up with a title for this mm -hmm. podcast but um i will say at the end if you're watching this on youtube and you got to the very end comment down below metacognition so metacognition yeah. is what you'll comment down below do people gonna yeah, yeah. go to that video on youtube be like what the heck are they talking about like <laughs> why is there metacognition everywhere written down below so <laughs> metacognition down below all right sounds good now, we're going to go through the three same questions I ask all of my guests in my podcast, all right? Okay, okay. So the first question is, um, where are you traveling to for the rest of the year? Um, so for the rest of this year, I'm flirting with Hot Jazz Jamboree. Mm -hmm. I haven't made any commitments to it yet. Um. And I think maybe stormy weather, maybe. Mm. Could be stormy weather, uh, which is in Seattle. Hot Jazz Jamboree is in Denver. Um, Phoenix Lindy something... Exchange. Oh, Phoenix Lindy Exchange. Yes, that's right here. Um, 
and then um and then i will say for so instead of end of the year can i do like for the next year how about yeah, that yeah, go for it yeah, so yeah. until next yeah so cowbell i think for sure um and then the two events in texas so there's uh, uh what is it called there is uh, what's the one in austin i'm it's escaping me right now lindy fest there's lindy fest but that's in houston and that's in march there's one in february uh oh hot rhythm hot, hot rhythm, rhythm holiday. holiday hot rhythm holiday i think yeah hot rhythm holiday for sure maybe lindy fest but i'm gonna see if i can do the bowel experiment and so bowel experiment i think takes around happens around the same time so um it's either lindy fest or bowel experiment um camp hollywood for sure but um and then in the summer uh, I don't know. I think that might be it. Yeah. So not too many events. I mean, if there's, I mean, if friends want want to go with me somewhere, just hit me up and see, and then maybe I'll make plans. I definitely have the funds to do it. I just, it's more about just bandwidth. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Yeah. All right. And speaking of friends, where can people find more information about you if they were curious? Like, do you have? A doctor's um, website or I mean, OnlyFans for, or I don't have any kind of uh like maybe link tree or whatever, but I mean like technically if you want some professional stuff, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um if it's more just like gaming or hanging out, you can always uh just send me a message on I think Messenger is probably the best Facebook Messenger. Mm -hmm. Um that's probably the best. Um, but I'm always, I mean, if it's not dancing, I'm gaming. So, you know, for those of you who want to hang out and play games, just send me a message. I'll add you on Discord. Um, oh, yeah. You can always hang out. That's always fun. Cool. Uh, yeah. If there's anyone out, any one of you out there that plays Valorant, just hit me up because I'm always down <laughs> to play that. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> All right. And we already dropped a bunch of really great truth knowledges and all that. But question, last question I want to ask is, what's a message you want to leave for any Lindy, any swing dancers that are listening? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I think just like, I think empathy is unbounded. Mm, mm. And I th and empathy really does apply to everything, especially your dance, if that makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense now, I hope it makes sense later. But it is be overly empathetic to yourself and give mm. yourself a break. And that allows you to be empathetic with others. And I think that allows you to connect better. So that's, that's one thing. Maybe another is a... Uh, i i don't know maybe maybe that's you're you're the main character of your story that's something mm -hmm. that i want people to remember it's that you're mm -hmm. the main character of your story and so what is that story that you want to build that's and i think empathy with yourself is a way to build a great story yeah i think that is a beautiful title to this podcast empathy <laughs> by a doctor 
<laughs> yeah, I dig I it. I like it. Yeah, I think that would be it. But uh, hmm. Misu, brother, my dear brother. Appreciate you, Andre. Thanks for having me on this. Of course, man. Thank you for all your wealth of knowledge. We appreciate the doctor's perspective. <laughs> well, I didn't talk that much about physics, but hey. Oh, if you ever see me at an event, as for the listeners, I'm always down to talk physics. That's just like <laughs> always, always down to talk physics and math and science. And I try to I try to dabble in a bunch of different things. So uh Yeah, and I'll tell you guys right now, like when we talk cybersecurity, Misha knows the shit. So <laughs> only a little bit. I only know a little, but Andre's always right. teaching me some new stuff. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Legal things. <laughs> Legal true, things. true, true, true. <laughs> All right, everybody. But if you made it to the end, don't forget to write um, metacognition down in the comments. If you haven't already, uh, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, as well as rate us five stars on Spotify. And uh, we're trying to bump up the YouTube numbers. So even if you're listening to this on Spotify, do me a favor and subscribe to this on YouTube because I'd like for this to make money because this doesn't make money right now. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And Mishu, appreciate you, brother. Love you, buddy. Thanks for having Love me. Love you too, man. Don't go anywhere after I stop recording. All right. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. The music you are currently hearing is called Dances in the Night by Papa D. You can find all its links down below. Till next time. Don't lose hope, trying to stand tall, trying to give the sense of yours the best that you got cause. Every time that they hear this sound, that music gets the feet above the ground. Time just seems to stop in You gotta move, move, move. Got to, got to, got to be a dancer.